From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, William has done it again. Prince William seems to be want uh, some kind of columnist or, or commentator. That's what he wants to be. I don't get it. Is it because Charles is, you know, doing other things, convalescing and the Queen is gone, that he thinks he's got to change the royal family and he's got to become a commentator on social events? I don't get it. Have a listen to what's happened. The Prince of Wales has told the Jewish community that people do care about rising anti-Semitism as he held the hand of a Holocaust survivor and told her, I am so sorry it's got to this stage. The prince said he and his wife, the Princess of Wales, were both extremely concerned about the rise in anti-Semitism in the UK, adding that it has no place in society. Saying he wanted to reassure the Jewish community that people do care, people do listen, he argued it was essential for people to break out of social media echo chambers to understand both the history of the Holocaust and the prejudice of today. In a quiet moment with Holocaust survivor Renee Salt, age 94, the prince heard how anti-Semitism was the worst she had witnessed since the Second World War. I'm so sorry it's got to this stage, he told her, reaching for her hand, it will get better. During a visit to the Western Marble Art Synagogue in London, he also met young people to hear of their experiences. And the story continues. Why is he becoming a political commentator? Now, look, anti-Semitism is like sex discrimination. It's like other versions of offence. Um, it should be outlawed. It's something that's been spiked, of course, given the war going on between Hamas, um, which really are the Palestinians, and Israel. So you kind of understand why it's spiking. One particular side has had a gutful of the other, which is usually why war starts in the first place. But what's he getting his knickers involved in all of this or his nose in places where it should be? The Queen would not do that. The Queen would not do that. I don't understand it. Now, elsewhere, this is a story out of the New York Post. At long last, first son Hyder Hunter Biden affirmed during his Wednesday impeachment inquiry deposition that his father, Joe, listen, was the big guy referenced in an email about a business deal with a Chinese state-linked energy firm that yielded millions for the Biden family and other associates more than three years after the Post broke the story, but rejected the notion that he's that the president was ever penciled in for a 10% stake. Now we're starting to see Hunter Biden stick his big fat foot in his mouth and say things he probably shouldn't have said. I doubt whether his lawyers sitting behind him were very excited and happy about that. But you see, when you've got someone who is challenged in the cranium department, like Hunter Biden, this is the kind of thing he says. So just keep an eye on that one. And no, no doubt the New York Post will, because they broke the story about the laptop. In essentially, that was the story that everyone decided not to cover because they thought it was fake. As it's turned out, it was far from fake. It was far from a conspiracy. It actually happened. So Hunter Biden now saying he was the big guy referred in the email. Now, I would have thought if he's not got anything to do with the business and he's not getting a cut of whatever happens out in the field in Ukraine or in China, 
Why is he even being referenced? Why is he even being referenced with a nickname? That kind of answers the question, doesn't it? This is Chris Smith on TNT. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. I want to go to the talkback lines before we get to the one and only Jim Ball. Um, I don't know who I've got on the line. I can't, cannot see. It's Glenn. Hi there, Glenn. G'day, Calvary, Oh, Very well, mate. Good to have you on. I just sort of keep you an update on anti-Semitism in Australia. There's yep. a Palestinian activist female in Melbourne that's been arrested for kidnap and torture. She kidnapped and tortured a man because he worked for a Jewish business. Uh, the courts have broken all protocol and put a suppression order on it. It was a front-page story on the Sun-Herald. Sherry Markson on Sky News did an excellent expose on it, and there's now a lawyer on the case trying to have the suppression orders lifted. Now, normally when a court puts on a temporary suppression order, they have a hearing with inside a week. The court's said that they won't have any hearings on the anti- on the suppression order for three months. Also, when a court uses suppression orders, they uh, the protocol is to let all the media know that they're going to put a suppression order on it so any submissions can be put forward. And, uh, yes, yeah, so the Victorian courts are breaking all protocol to protect a female Palestinian activist who kidnapped and tortured a man simply because he worked for a Jewish company. Oh, I saw this yesterday in the Herald Sun. It was yesterday's story. I know the one you're referring to. And it seemed extremely odd that a magistrate or a judge in this case would act in this way. It seemed to be as if they may have had some biased sympathies for one side, Glenn. Either that or political interference, mate. I'm, as I said to you last week, I'm warning Australians there is going to be bloodshed on the streets unless our police and our, our politicians do something to tackle this anti-Semitic Nazi hatred. Because I'll tell you now, I will not shame the memory of my grandfather and sit still and allow it to take place in my country. Yeah, Glenn, you make a very good point. That story yesterday was an outrage. It was written to um, expose the judge in question who has clearly gone beyond um, their remit and gone beyond what should have been a very even-handed case in terms of identity. That person's identity should be revealed today, Glenn. Yes, and not only that, that person has a huge following on, on social media. Sherry Markson did a story on the same lady last week. Oh, by the way, Victorian police and federal police were warned about this woman on several occasions by the Jewish community and they refused to do anything. Sherry Markson did a, an expose on her late last year. She got death threats. One of the death threats was you, you should be beheaded and raped. But then again, raping you would be torture for our soldiers. And Sky News is actually paying for 24 hours of security for Sherry Marks and the family. For those that don't know, Sherry Markson is a Jewish lady. Yeah, I know her well. So, uh, Glenn, when that yeah, kind of stuff happens, for, for, for those who are 
telling a story. So are, they are the communicators. They are the messengers. There's something terribly wrong with the country. You're dead right. Glenn, Glenn I've got to go. Jim's yeah. waiting online. But thank you very much, mate. Good to have your company. And uh, we'll hear from you again. Have a good weekend. Righto, mate. You too. Good on you. Now, I've got the former nighttime king of news talk radio in Australia, the politically incorrect Jim Ball, who's just dropped out on our line, would you believe? I'll go to a break. We'll come back after a quick break and we'll get Jim straight back on right here on TNT. TNT's James Freeman. Firstly, farming unions in Wales supported a vote to remain in the EU. And secondly, there is no evidence that farmers voted en masse for Brexit. There are no polls or other evidence to prove this. And thirdly, it is a very odd statement to make because what Drakeford is, well, at the face of it, what he's saying to farmers is that I now have the power to restrict your farms in Wales because you voted for Brexit. A very odd thing to say. James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Gee, our listeners and viewers are really good researchers. That's always the way. People, you know, gravitate towards things that interest them. And all of a sudden, when you raise a topic that you don't know exactly the details of, they will come to the rescue. So Lou, uh, Lozzie, is it? Lozzie has come to the rescue. This is a great site for chemtrails, geoengineeringwatch.org, geoengineeringwatch.org. So maybe, Danny, if you're still watching or listening, you can go to geoengineeringwatch.org to uh, fill yourself in on the dangers associated with chemtrails. But that might also be a good site for me to gravitate towards someone who can talk about it. Jim Ball, welcome back to TNT. Hi, Chris. How are you? Tell you what, listening to you talking about uh, Hunter Biden, America's, I think, I figured who it is, they've got a lot of what what they call uh, dumb, smart people, right? And he's one of them. And that Fanny Willis in Georgia is another one. It's a damn, it's a clown car. Yeah, yeah. It's a circus. 10% for the big guy. It's all there in the, on the laptop. Talk about election interference. That oh. was it on, on steroids. Yes, you're not wrong. Probably sure. the greatest example of it in election history in the in the United States. Yes. All right. I want to ask you a question. You know, for many, many, I guess for a century, Australia has been known as a hardworking country. I think that has changed dramatically. And I read today an article in the Sydney Morning Herald by economist Ross Gittins. Um, there are few aspects of the economy on which more bulldust is spoken than our productivity. Did you know that last financial year, the productivity of our labour actually fell by 
percent. Now, Jim, I don't know when I last heard Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, mention the word productivity. And with what he has done, giving people wage rises during an inflationary period, mm. um, there's nothing that will, uh, there's nothing that's connected between the productivity of those wage rises and the people who received those wage rises, which I always thought there had to be a link. You create a more productive uh, environment, whether it's for the government, whether it's for private enterprise in particular, and mm. you get a wage rise as a result. I get the feeling that we've got a little bit of a handout mentality. Oh, totally. totally. And I have a feeling that we're not the hardworking country we may have been once viewed as. I think that's that's correct. I don't think Australians are in a – look, to a large extent, it's a generational thing. I don't think Australians are innately lazy uh, as, a, as, a, as a sort of 24 million cohort. Uh, there are steep people. And uh, look, let's face it, the one thing that – uh, motivates you, and this is what's lacking in a lot of people, uh, lack of inspiration, lack of motivation, uh, no reason to get out of bed in the morning. Best reason to get out of the bed in the morning is a wife, a couple of kids and a mortgage. That <laughs> kind of gets you gets you moving. Yes. Now, I think you're right, though, about the handout. There's, there's money for everyone and for everything. And I was just looking, and of course, once you've got too much money floating around in the system, I mean, this is economics 101. Inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. Mm. So you've got three of something and a whole lot of money over here, three over there, and the price goes up. Simple as that. That's inflation. That's, mm. as I say, 101, too much money chasing too few goods. It gets pretty weedy. Starting talking about economics doesn't exactly – it excites me about as much as the polling in <laughs> – in Queensland <laughs> but, last but, week. I'll be giving you an example. Ross Higgins talks about productivity, which he defines as, and I'll just read you this, a comparison of the economy's output of goods and services measured by real gross domestic product relative, relative to our inputs of raw materials, labour and physical capital. That is machines, buildings, roads, bridges and so forth. At about that point, I go, yeah, what's on yeah. television? <laughs> but I still think it's a, it's a point worth uh, raising COVID did us no help or no, you know, True. gave us no advantage when it came to working and, hard. And, and a lot of the increase in employment is not so much an increase as uh, it's starting off a low base. Yeah, a bit after COVID. So, and of course, the other thing that factors into this is this working from home yep. phenomenon. Now, there's a piece in the Oz today. Uh, business groups have stepped up their attacks on what's referred to as generous new working from home rights, rights won by federal public service uh, employees. What rights? Calling, yeah, rights. They're calling them crazy and bizarre. Almost 70% of the Commonwealth public sector's 170,000 strong workforce uh, uh, has now gained access to the rights that, that include no formal cap on the number of working from home days. But they're not rights, Jim. They're no, not. Know, they've never been I rights. I mean, I've got nothing against working from home, providing um, you're doing it now, I'm doing it now. But I mean, providing it it delivers the same results as if you were in your little silo on the tenth floor somewhere. Yeah. Um. The 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 technology allows for it. And I never thought I would find myself agreeing with Sally McManus, the ACT secretary, Whoa. who's out there on the left. She said the negativity and the hypocrisy of some employer lobbyists on this is astounding. On the one hand, they call for flexibility, which is what working from home is, 
and on the other, they rail against it. On one hand, they support individual employers negotiating arrangements that suit them. On the other hand, they criticise these arrangements. So, I mean, I've got no problem with working from home. Uh, in fact, uh, in about uh, two months, May 20, we're going North Queensland again in the caravan, 24-foot silver line, got the Starlink. We've got all the technology and what we are doing at home now with DVA and this program and so on, I can do on the road. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll be up around Palm Cove and Port. Yeah, there, there are no doubt exceptions, no doubt about it. But there's a whole business about having rights to work at oh, home. Oh, that's this rubbish. This has never been the but tradition. Your, your, your more broader point about um, I think there is a, a mindset that uh, there's money for people uh, when they don't want to work or there's an excuse for not for not working. Yeah. We've become uh, something of a nation of uh, of marshmallows. And the state governments aren't helping because the other story today that I came across in a similar vein, the Victorian and New South Wales governments are driving a state borrowing binge, doubling the size of the federal government's borrowings that mm. one of the world's key ratings agency warns is adding to inflationary pressures yep. across the economy. That's Give right. us a break. Stop spending, you idiots. That's and stop right. borrowing. I mean, look, America's a classic case. They're $34 trillion in debt. Yeah. I don't know whether Trump or anyone else can pull them out of it. I really don't think so. But back to that that uh, economics 101, too much money chasing too few goods, inflation. Yeah. And uh, we've got this Dunkley, I think we're going to talk about it in a moment. Dunkley yeah, I want to talk about it now. Yeah, the Dunkley yeah. by-election. Yeah. Victoria. That's that's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, I wore as it regard, but remember at school, the, the, the school teacher would, at the end of the week on a Friday, they'd say, Okay, we're going to have a, a test on the maths or English we learnt this week. This is in primary school stuff, right? Going to have a bit of a test and see if, who's been paying attention. Well, that's a bit like a by-election. It's, it's, it's basically a test of who's been paying attention. Mm. Now, the fascinating thing about this, this seat is it's been a Liberal seat since 1996 up until 2019. So for 23 years, it's been a, a Liberal seat. It's down in, for people who don't know where it is, it's down in um, southeast Melbourne, around the Mornington, uh, Mornington Peninsula down yeah. there. And uh, it's going really to be- Really wealthy area, I might add. Yes. Um, I was just looking at some of the, the places there today. They're well-to-do, well-heeled, probably a bit like the northern beaches of Sydney, which is where I am. <laughs> it's a nice area, you might say. Mm. So, and now the other thing about tomorrow and that uh, that by-election, the way the media is talking about it, it it could. I don't know if it will, but um, it could go the way of uh, the seat of Bass. Now, Bass in 1975 was the canary in the coal mine for Whitlam's government. Uh, it was Frank Barnard. Uh, Frank Barnard. Um, can't, that's not a, Barnard's his second name. Yeah. He was the guy that was co-prime minister with Whitlam for the first yeah. couple of weeks. That was his seat in Tasmania, Bass. And it was a safe Labor seat. But after three years, the, the mood had turned ugly uh, for the Whitlam government. And uh, the primary vote for Labor plummeted by 17% in one by-election. And Brian Newman, the Liberal, he won it with a resounding 60%. He got, I think uh, that's two-party preferred, he got 57, 58% of the uh, primary vote. So he could have won it just on primary votes alone. Mm. So I don't know whether tomorrow is going to be in that category. 
But if it is, it could be the canary in the coal mine of yeah. people to express their rage and uh, their outrage. Another interesting statistic today from uh, the Australian, we're not in the, the Dunkley area, I don't think, but look, we'll find out, um, is that in since the 1940s, uh, where, where have I written this? Uh, God, I don't know. There's an interesting stat here from the 1940s, and I damned if I can see it. Oh, yeah, here we go. Since Second World War, the average swing against a government in a federal by-election is 3.6 uh -huh. and 1.5% for a term, first-term government. No first-term government has lost a seat in a by-election since the 1940s. Now, that's not true, because, unless I'm reading it incorrectly. Whitlam lost, a, he was a first-term government, and he lost Bass, uh, by uh, whatever the stat was I gave you a minute ago, 17% uh, or something. So I don't know where they got that information, but it's very rare. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Labor will hold it, but if they if it's neck and neck and we don't know the result until Wednesday or Thursday. Well, it, it is. That's what, it's, it's very much line ball at the moment. Yeah. Um, Cameron Milner said this morning uh, in the Oz, a Dunkley by-election will win will be used by the Albanese government, the Albanese cabal, as proof that saying saying nothing, doing nothing, and then lying about it is all sound political strategy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, just ask Bob Carr. He did that for many, many decades. All Which, right. No, we won't go there. No. Muslim leader, <laughs> president of the Victorian Islamic Council, Adele Salmon. He is a piece of work, this bloke, Adele Salmon. He has the temerity still to this day to defend the Hamas attack on October 7. He was speaking on the ABC this week. Yeah. Have a listen. So, yeah. Sorry, I just I want to be clear. October the 7th, yeah. you're saying you won't denounce that? I denounce any violence against civilians. That is clear. 1,200 people we died. Uh, we denounce, uh, very clear, Patricia, we denounce any violence and killing of civilians what we, what we don't denounce very clearly is legitimate act of resistance and for the Palestinians to rise up on October 7th and say we're no longer going to tolerate this siege, this occupation, that's legitimate. Wow. So yeah. two, two points, two points. He's saying that the butchering, the burning, the raping is legitimate. He's also saying that it was more than just Hamas soldiers that did what they did. These are Palestinians. A couple of things. Well, one thing, I hadn't heard the clip before, but what concerns me about that, he, he's got a very Australian accent. It's not, yeah. not broken English, not just off the boat, born here, acculturated here. Mm. That, that's a concern. Yeah. Now, I don't know how it is that pond scum like that can propagate such toxic spin and their perverted, I don't know, moral equivalence on events that is totally at odds with reality. Yeah. Uh, example. Now he said, and I'm reading, what did he say? Um, uh, that they're absolutely legitimate for the Palestinians to try and break the siege of Gaza. And he spoke about the rights of the uh, the uh, rights of Palestinians, like all peoples, to resist the occupation. Occupation. Siege of Gaza, what siege? Mm. There is no siege of Gaza. Mm. There is no occupation of Gaza. Israel got out of there in 2005. Mm. So they've been gone for, for that long. 
Uh, and a controlled border, that is the border between Israel and uh, and Gaza, a controlled border does not constitute a siege. It's to keep people apart. Mm. It's not a siege. Now, if they want to talk about siege, they could look at, for example, the fact that, uh, well, Israel got out, Gazans were left to their own devices. They elected Hamas in 2005. So, so to the extent that there's a siege, that siege is the hostages, two million or whatever it is, Gazan citizens being held with a gun to the head, literally, because they set up their, their gun thingies and all their bombs and all the rest of it in hospitals and in schools. But, but Jim, nothing, no argument about this will legitimise what happened on October no. 7. No, no argument whatsoever. Even if the argument is that they have laid siege to Gaza, even mm. if the argument is provable that they haven't got their two-state solution, even though it was promised back in 1948. Even if yeah. that is true, there is no justification for what all. occurred on October 7. Yeah. Look, but there are, are a few questions, and I'll just uh, scribble a few down here. Uh, why is the Islamic Council of Victoria receiving taxpayer funding yeah. in the first place? Yeah. How many others share his views? Yeah. How long before we pass the point of no return, like Europe? I don't think Europe can find its way back, no. and Britain too, for that matter. Yeah. Are our political leaders cowed by fear and intimidation by these people? You know, it's too PC, oh, we can't be seen to be. That's true. Well, at some point you've got to say, I'm sorry, you've got a right to free speech, but you don't have a right to propagate lies uh, which can lead to violence on the streets. Yeah, it's the violence right? and the threats of death. And the, and the whole gas the Jews thing. I mean, that's uh, just... Whew. Yeah, that is that is beyond acceptable. All right, I want to go back to more, um, maybe more secretive things. And we learnt this week that a former New, New South Wales Labor MP tried to link a Chinese spy network with the son of former PM Malcolm Turnbull. Now, Mike Burgess, the head of ASIO, said he won't be naming names. He won't uh, reveal who the Labor MP is. Even Peter Dutton today is saying, well, um, we can't do that because there could be some crucial ASIO sources being exposed. So no doubt he's had a chat with those uh, within ASIO. That seems to be straight out of their chamber. But whether it's right or not, the public deserves to know whether there are operatives introducing spies to politically influential and powerful people, don't they? Absolutely. As men at work... Uh, all those years ago, back in the 80s, saying, who could it be now? Yeah. And, you know, we just, we don't know. It's a bit like that um, that magistrate uh, in Victoria that you were talking about earlier in that phone call. Uh, she has just dropped the hammer mm. on divulging that person's name mm. who kidnapped a, a chap because uh, he worked for some Jewish firm. Indefensible. So you've got that magistrate. Now you've got this kind of thing. We all, and all this does is foster speculation. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, we do know about Sam Dastiari. Yeah. Way back, oh, what, several years ago now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And in he's no longer in parliament. You know, but I've the, got my suspicions about others. Yeah. <laughs> well, any, anyone with Chinese, what it does is because you don't name that person, anyone with Chinese. Connections. Con connections, like the Keatings of the world, who's not a, a state MP, but you understand what I mean. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're implicated and yeah. we talk about them privately. Yeah. I mean, Bob Carr's wife, I think she died a few months ago. Mm. She was Chinese. 
uh, and there's probably others too. With so it, there's a cloud over everyone. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, uh, everyone's got this this uh, cloud over them, and the thing is, and what I find interesting is that there seems to be less and less shame in. The, we see this in America again, um, of people lining up with the Communist Party of China for um may not have been China, but anyway, uh, they're lining up with the Chinese as uh, consultants and uh, lobbyists and all that kind of thing. I mean, the case that comes to, to, to mind for me, and by the way, there's a whole book on this just on America. It came out this week, and I'm sort of plowing my way through it, called Blood Money by Peter Schweitzer. He's the guy that lifted the lid on Joe Biden to begin, even before the laptop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Schweitzer yep. was all over it. Well, he's yep. got a new book out, Blood Money. It's all about uh, China. And I hate to say it, but many politicians and people in high-profile places who are linked in with them, the Chinese have linked up with the Mexican cartels to get all the fentanyl into America. Now, we had this case back in 2016. I think it was all above board, but it was um, it was Andrew Robb. Yeah. Now, Andrew Robb was the Minister for Trade and Investment in 2016. I don't know if he signed off on or authorised in some way the, the Darwin port business, which was leased to the Chinese mm -hmm. for five hundred million dollars yep. for ninety nine years. Yeah, and the thing about and and that company Landbridge Shandong Landbridge, uh, a few months after they took over Darwin Port, Andrew Robb went off and worked for them as a consultant. Yeah, yeah, now, too close, much too close. And you say to yourself, well, maybe it was legit and probably was. I wouldn't want to cast aspersions, but it smells. It smells. Yeah, and to think to think that he didn't have the radar to understand that this is this is not a good look. Maybe the money was too good, Jim. Eight uh, eight hundred yeah uh, eight hundred eighty thousand salary a year. Yeah, just short of a million. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I got to go to a news break. I do want to talk to you about dairy farmers. Stay right there if yes. you can. Let's quickly go to that news break to the newsroom on TNT. TNT Radio News. We are, we are your station for news. News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Israeli soldiers have been accused of massacring starving civilians waiting for humanitarian aid in Gaza City. Breaking news in the Middle East. More than 100 people are dead and hundreds injured after Israeli forces allegedly opened fire on Palestinians waiting for food aid. Russia's accused the UK of being directly involved in the war in Ukraine and India's developed a new pill that promises to prevent the recurrence of cancer and reduce the side effects of treatment by up to 50%. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. I will get to Kira Lee Smith very, very shortly, but let's get back to Jim Ball. One last topic I do want to canvas mm. with you, Jim. Woolworths has been slammed today for its decision to remove Australian farmer-owned Norco milk, which I have been buying, from all of its 150 supermarkets and Metro-branded stores in metropolitan Sydney. East AUS Milk Dairy Advocacy Group President Joe Bradley said, the move shows that big supermarkets don't give a stuff about the consumer or the farmer. How dare they do this? Mm. Yeah, well, he's... Uh... They've had a rough time the last few months, all self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Uh, we had the uh, Australia Day stuff. Then we had Four Corners last week. 
and they're they uh, there's not so much the fr family friendly fresh food people try saying that they're uh, they're ruthless mm. they are they are ruthless customers and we saw on four corners staff the farmers all getting screwed we had that cherry farmer uh who's basically ripped up all his trees uh three generations of cherry farming uh orchards and so on and there's there's no room for him uh, yeah. inside Woolies. They just said, no, mate, your product's not good enough. They've been buying Brutal. it for years. The spokes weasel, and let's call it what it is, these, <laughs> these corporate spin doctors, the spokes weasel for, yeah. um, I've got a voice coming in my head. Uh, that spokes weasel for Woolies said that the company had worked together with Norco on the change and, quote, will continue to partner, I hate that, with them to deliver quality milk based on customer demand. Uh, That's what you uh, say when, you're, when you've got nothing to say. Yes, exactly. Uh, these, these people, Chris, seem um, not only out of touch with community sentiment, but they don't seem to care. Their nah. spin is unbelievable, and by unbelievable, I mean impossible to be believed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's very true. Just and for it sounds the record, like as if they uh, Australia's... Might, they might... They might have got rid of the CEO to change the attitude of the company, but it hasn't changed at all. But just one more thing on this, and we talk free trade and you know, Chinese buying Darwin, Port and all the rest of it. Australia's four biggest producers, three are foreign-owned. Saputa, makers of Devondale, is Canadian. Paul's is French, and Front, uh, Frontera is from New Zealand. Mm. So, and meanwhile, the North Coast farmers can't get a look in. And they've been there since 1895. Appalling. Absolutely. Appalling. Mm. Okay. We appreciate your time on the radio. We Thanks, do um, hope that we can talk to you again next week and have a great weekend, mate. I'll be here. Thanks, Chris. Fantastic. Thank okay. you. Jim Bye. Ball. Great to have him on the program, our politically incorrect commentator on a Friday. Let's uh, get to our talk back lines. I noticed that Andrew has been waiting patiently. Andrew, come in. Hey, Smithy. How are you? Very well, thank you. Mate, reporting from the capital, your roving reporter. Mate, oh, if Australia Canberra. is not a... Yeah, mate. We spent 11 hours on the lawns of Parliament House and not one politician, 54 human rights violations and violations to my rights as a victim of crime. Not one politician came to see me. Yet the next day, the Philippines were having a protest five green senators went out and saw oh. them about their human rights violations. Wow. When are we going to start caring about the people of our country? Yeah. But And if we're not a police state, please tell me, Smithy, why New South Wales police are involving themselves in civil matters in serving barring notices on behalf of Coles and government departments yeah. Yeah. that have got nothing to do with the law. They're civil matters. Yet they won't investigate, the AFP won't investigate knife crimes. What the hell's going on with our police force? Mm, mm. It's a paid-for force now, is it? Yeah, well, they've run, they're run by political correctness. They're run by identity. That identity politics is now deciding which crimes matter and which crimes don't. And if it's perpetrated on a man, it don't matter. But if it's perpetrated on a woman, all hell breaks loose. Well, there's a little bit of that, yeah. You see that all the time, yeah. Yeah. Mate, thank you for taking my call. You have a wonderful weekend. And let's say, go the Brumbies. Go the Brumbies yes. up against the Chiefs. <laughs> Bit of revenge. Good. Hey? Good luck to the Brumbies, mate. Thank you very much for your call, Andrew. Hey, buddy. Thank you. All right. Um, I've got to take a quick break, and I'll do that. We'll come back after that with Kimberly Smith right here on TNT. 
Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Well, the gals of The View were at it again, this time defending the Biden family dog commander after it was revealed that the dog had been viciously attacking Secret Service agents for a long time. His name is Commander. The report found that there were at least... This is a lot. This is a lot. 24 (laughs) incidents of him biting folks. Well, it makes you wonder, what did he see that nobody else saw? Yeah, right? Really, Whoopi? Well, she wasn't finished. And she wasn't the only one on the view panel to make a fool of herself. All you gotta do is look at him. Look, look at, at him. Can you show that picture again? Look at him. Like, that's right. Yeah. I'm walking. Listen I'm walking here. Him. I'm walking here. Yeah. Woo woo. Listen to his name, Commander. That's He's in right. charge. He's I'm a, a bite guard. Giant. He's a guard dog. <laughs> that's, right. you know, that's that's why. Woo woo, Brian. I, I think people don't understand. You know, a lot of people just don't understand some things when it comes to dogs. It's just innate. It's part of their nature. Leave it to Sunny. Are you kidding us? Are you really kidding us? It's their nature? Whose dog goes around attacking people? Yours? Mine? Unbelievable. And if this had been Donald Trump as president and his family dog attacked Secret Service agents, harming them, hurting them, causing them to get stitches, and you know what? They'd be saying Donald Trump should lose his Secret Service protection. What a joke. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. Pre-diabetes does. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. But with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. And you can change the outcome. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org. This is the Christmas Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, I want to go to Tim, who's a farmer who often uh, contributes to our chat box, as a matter of fact, on tntradio.live. Tim, hi. G'day, Teddy. How you going, mate? Very well. Thank you for your call. Yeah, just a few observations with with the way that supermarkets deal with the farmers. I've got some friends that deal directly with Coles and Woolworths and it doesn't matter. Like, they can send a load of produce in and if the buyer from Coles or Woolies has just ordered too much for the day, they'll just reject the load. They'll just make up some phony reason and just reject it. <laughs> and the load has to either be dumped or sent to food bank. Or Really? In a lot of the, in a lot of the cases, they just take it back relabel it, put a new date on it and send it back and it gets accepted, which just proves that there's nothing wrong with the produce in the first place. So why do you <laughs> think they do that? Is that just lazy? They don't give a damn? Well, if they've over-ordered for, and they've got too much product there, they just need to get rid of it, so they'll just reject the load. Sometimes the load gets dumped on the open market uh, and then gets sold for a lot less than what it's contracted for, which is what the cherry grower was experienced on the Four Corners report. Right. Another another um, thing that I come up against, I grow avocados and limes and just send to the Brisbane wholesale market. Prior to the coronavirus, the public were allowed to go in there and buy direct from our agents, whereas now they're not allowed to. So there's no option for the public who want to go and buy direct from us to do so. They have to go 
um, to a Saturday market where they buy from retailers who buy from our agents. So we've been cut out of that extra profit margin that we used to make in the past and the consumer also has to pay more. So I've put a submission into the uh, uh, select committee, um, Senate committee, about about that and they said there that's directly um, related to the inquiry because it affects the, the market concentration. So, so, so you have submitted submitted this information to the inquiry? Yeah. yeah right. Today. And, right. Uh, I, I urge any other farmers to, to do the same thing. A lot, of, a lot of farmers in my area didn't even know that the public weren't allowed in there um, to buy direct from us. And like that, that sort of affords us a few higher price sales, you know, people buying a box here and there or something. They pay a lot more than what a wholesaler would. And that comes directly to us. And at the right. same time, they're getting, it, they're getting it cheaper as well. So, so there's a bit of a stitch-up going on. It's a lot broader than what a lot of, a lot of people realise. Um, a second point, if I can. Yeah. Um, in relation, like, there's a lot of talk about the Tucker Carlson-Putin interview. And I watched it and I thought, well, it was such an eye-opener. Um, whether or not Putin's telling the truth or not is another matter. But yeah. People can I make their own heard... minds up. Yeah, and... and, and... I mean, I, I, I think at the very least, why isn't our leaders, like America, Australia, et cetera, addressing some of the points that were made in the interview and, and giving their um, yeah. rebuttal to them if they're not right? But, but you know yeah. what? I think, you know, I heard a two-hour two interview with Tucker, very informative, historical, et cetera, but... What do we hear in in the mainstream media? We just hear Putin's bad, Ukraine's yeah. good, and that's about the depth of it. And I think yeah. they should at least, yeah, they should be giving us more information. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe that's quite telling. Well, you see, the mainstream media deal in black and whites. They deal in absolutism, and this yeah. is the problem. You know, wars like the Ukraine-Russian war is not black and white. And sadly, it's obviously too difficult for journalists who work in mainstream media to get their heads across that detail and explain it properly. Or their bosses don't want them to explain it properly. They want to run a black and white, uh, bad guy, good guy uh, narrative, and that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, so I just think, you know, one of the points that Putin made in the interview um, was that he's open to negotiation and the war could end if. If if the US or if NATO stopped stopped funding it, now would you think oh, okay? You think all right, all right, Putin, I'll yeah. call you bluff. All right, well let's get together and let's have a meet. Let's have a uh, you know an open discussion and yeah. say we can end this war right here today. You know, and but but yeah, that. But on the other hand, I've I've shared that interview with people to say, well, you know, what do you reckon about this? And that the amount of people that just refuse to watch it and yeah. have actually uh, get quite angry with me when I shared it with them. Yeah. It, I found it quite, I, I just, it's such an eye-opener, the response, you know. I, yeah. I just, well, you know, these just, people need to realise that the truth is usually in the grey. It's not in the white yeah. and it's not in the black. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an apologist for Putin, like, but, you know, like your, your discussion earlier in the program, it, it you know, we want to make matters better, not worse. And if that means a yeah. compromise, maybe that's the lesser of two evils, I guess. But anyway. I agree. I agree. I agree. Because otherwise, what does NATO think? We're going to defeat and smash and annihilate Russia? Mm. Not going to happen. 
You're right, Tim. I've got to get to Kiralee Smith, Tim. Let's talk again on the open line. I'd love to have you as a regular caller. See you, mate. Bye. Good on you, Tim. Thank you very much for your call. Great insight, and I'm glad he's made that submission because, um, you know, the likes of Woolworths and the other supermarket giants need need to be exposed, and he is someone who's seen it firsthand, and he can expose them. I'll keep across that for you. All right, an Australian inquiry into transgender human rights focusing on anti-trans mobilisation, whatever that means, and disinformation has been branded a serious misuse of taxpayer funds. Many experts are concerned that it fails to balance the rights of transgender people with the rights of women and girls, which makes a great deal of sense to me. Let's get an insight into how skewed this inquiry will be. Kiralee Smith has been challenging political leaders to protect children, parents' rights, women's spaces and services, sport, the military and education from radical gender ideology. Kiralee held a leadership position for the Australian Conservatives and since 2019 has focused on the left's campaign to de-gender society. She's a director of Binary Australia. Kiralee Smith, welcome back to TNT. Thanks for having me, Chris. And thank you for waiting. I'm so sorry. I just had so much to talk to today. We're being waylaid and I I don't like to turn back calls that come onto the program because people do, uh, you know, go out of their way to stop what they're doing to make their call and to make their point. So uh, my apologies to you, Kiralee. No problem. (laughs) So who pushed for this inquiry to occur? What are your concerns about what will emerge from this? Well, look, this is um, run by the Human Rights Commission and it just shows how captured they are. They've already drawn their conclusions before even doing the inquiry and that is to label people like myself or anyone who wants to stand up for women's sex-based rights as, you know, anti-trans, discriminatory, Uh, bigoted, whatever it is. They've already drawn that conclusion. But, you know, you have to ask the question, what rights don't transgender people have in Australia? I mean, they have every right that you and I have. We all yeah. have equal rights. There's no rights other than for a man to enter into female spaces, sports or services. That's the rights they're fighting for and that's the rights that us women will not lay down. It, it's ridiculous. And what's ridiculous about this uh, inquiry is that the only submissions that will be accepted are by trans activists. Oh. They will not accept um, any submissions from uh, the 12 million women and girls in this country, they're not going to accept uh, submissions from organisations like Binary. They only want to hear from the or uh, captured institutions with the bias that transgender people are somehow being. Well, that is incredibly biased. And i tell you why that I would see that as incredibly biased is that they do want rights within other domains, the domains of children, the domains of girls, the domains of women. They want rights within their other domains. So they are stakeholders. So why shouldn't the girls and the women, the biological women, have their say as well? They are stakeholders in what it's a, in what they're discussing here. 100%. This affects us. It affects us every day. It's affected me. I've been dragged through the courts so many times and so have other women in this space simply because we say that biology matters. This isn't, mm. contra- it's not, it should not be controversial in any way, shape or form. We're not no, taking no. away anyone's rights to wear a dress or do their makeup or take some drugs, whatever it is they want to do. Fully, um, you know, grown adults can make those decisions with their full consent, but they cannot assert and erase children's rights and women's rights for the sake of their fantasy or their uh, confusion. We should be yelling from the rafters on this. Like, seriously, we should be 
galvanizing a very loud voice because this is outrageous because you can see what will happen. The submissions will be, we should have access to these toilets. We should have uh, schools with a third toilet or whatever it is. The encroachment on women's rights, biological rights, and this will be regarded in their recommendations as the next step for government to follow. And you know what will happen? The government will follow it. And and worse than that, like that's really terrible and worse. But what they're also going to ask for is for people like myself and you to be silenced and punished if we speak out against it. That's yeah. the ultimate goal that they have here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do more on this. Don't worry. All right. This UK murderer, Scarlet Black, I was telling our audience about it yesterday. Um, Scarlet Black is a biological male, but because he identifies as a woman, he was addressed as such in court. And I would have thought the court should be following facts. If any institution should be following the facts of a matter, even even if that is the identity of a person, it should be the courts. But anyway, they didn't. And get this, the official record now shows in the UK that a woman, Scarlet Black, not the biological man Scarlet Black is, was the killer. Talk about the system being conned and duped, Kiralee. Uh, it infuriates me, Chris, and even worse, that was in the UK. It happens here in Australia. It's happened, uh, you know, very personally to me where, you know, we have to go to court. You have to swear on the Bible or take an affirmation to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Um, meanwhile, magistrates and judges right around the country are referring to males as he, uh, she, her or miss. Yeah. And uh, it, it's quite offensive. It's quite ridiculous. We have to provide evidence and facts and, you know, scientific basis for every claim that we make in courts except for the biological reality of either the uh, you know the defendant or the applicant or whoever is there so this is it, when political correctness supersedes the fact correct that's right and uh, look it's going to have terrible consequences you know in that case uh, he is now recorded as a female criminal uh, will probably be housed in a female prison uh, it, it skews the crime statistics. no that's that, that that's the that's the uh, the <laughs> he he's it he's right here. he is regarded the records regard he as a she, but the but the jail regards he as a he, and he's in a he jail. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> they can't make up their mind. It's so <laughs> insane. It's so insane. But the reality is, again, here in Australia, there are violent male criminals housed in female prisons because they say they're female. There's nothing about them. There's yeah. not one person on earth who's ever changed their sex. It is impossible to do. A hairstyle, you know, women aren't a hairstyle, women aren't a costume. You can't just say I'm suddenly a woman and you magically are one. You're not. Like, it's ridiculous. I was telling my audience this week about Australian transgender man, biological woman, Teddy Cook, who scored himself or herself a fancy, well-paid position with the WHO. But the twisted sexual depravity on his or her social media posts is just as foul as you could possibly see. I just wonder, Kiralee, putting myself into that situation, how I would go holding down that job with the WHO but posting similar gross material publicly. How do you think I'd go? Oh, you wouldn't last, a, you know, a second, Chris. We know that. that this, is, this is so insane again. It's um, perverse. It's disgusting. It's fetish, you know, on full display. And uh, 
This person has a taxpayer-funded uh, role with ACON, the AIDS Council of New South Wales, which now is a national, basically, body that all government agencies and big corporations sign up to to say, look at us, we're all inclusive and diverse and everything else. And uh, Teddy Cook now also has a role to uh, the WHO on health matters. And, uh, you know, some of the behaviours that we've seen don't look very healthy and should not oh. be promoted and uh, don't look rational, don't look logical, don't look, you know, reasonable and it's not a representation of uh, everyday Australians. Not to mention the promotion of drugs, not to mention seriously. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, we've gone, we've screwed right up. Yeah. Now it's International Women's Day. Uh, wonder what this will mean for the Australian federal flag, the flag and how do you think? I just get this feeling, Kiralee, I can see what group will get the notoriety for International Women's Day, not the majority of women in the country, but those who pretend to be women but are really men. Oh, look, the amount of events that are being hosted around the country, particularly by left-wing politicians or Labor politicians who are, you know, pretty much make up the majority of the ministers for women in this country, will be celebrating um, inclusivity and diversity, which basically means they accept that women can have a penis and uh, that men are women, which is absolutely and utterly absurd. Uh, I'm yeah. hosting uh, What is a Woman and Why Does It Matter luncheon uh, in my hometown and, uh, you know, the, the absolute abuse right. and ridiculous comments people have made, uh, you know, quite offensive, uh, all because I want to celebrate what it is to be female and make us create a space where other females can come and talk about the challenges of being female in our society and in the, the face of the nonsense reality where not only can not one female minister who is a minister for women define the word woman, our sex discrimination commissioner can't define the word sex, uh, woman or male. So we've got a big problem in this country where uh you know, she's getting paid. Uh, Anna Cody's getting paid to be the sex discrimination commissioner but doesn't know what sex is. It's just interesting, isn't it? Is there any – why do they do that? Like, is it because they're lobbied by activists who are aggressive, who are threatening, who come to their office and say, you know, you need to protect us because our people are dying because of the discrimination against us? Is it is it that kind of influence that ends up causing a minister for women um, to support their – moves to encroach on biological women's lives? Oh, look, that's a part of it. But what it ultimately comes back to is that uh, Julia Gillard, one of her last acts of Prime Minister in 2013, was to remove the definitions of male and female from the Sex Discrimination Act. That's right. And then no one's had the appetite to put it back in. Uh, so that's really disturbing. And so that for that gives uh, activists like Anna Cody and others uh, the all the permission they need to, um, to walk all over and trample over women's rights and to uphold the rights of men who wish they were women. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're starting to see the tide turn. I went to a uh, nationals branch or federal electoral council meeting the other day and members there moved a motion. Uh, let's get those definition, definitions back into the Sex Discrimination Act. And uh, I know a lot of other branch uh, branches right across the political spectrum that have intentions to do the same thing because that's the only thing that's going to um, bring back common sense into this country around uh, sex and gender roles. And a bit of biology wouldn't go astray either. Exactly. All right. Kiralee Smith, great to have you on the program. Fantastic. We'll do it again. Thank you very much for your great. time. Always good to talk to you, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kiralee Smith. Uh, Binary Australia. There you go. She's got the right events going on on International Women's Day. Hopefully there are more of those events than there are events featuring people who are pretending to be women.
Oh, that was a fast and furious show. Thank you so much for your company. Dean Macken is on next. Um, I've got a weekend ahead, as hopefully most of you do as well. We'll come back and do it again on Monday at the same time. I look forward to it. Spread the word. This is Chris Smith on TNT. TNT.